0: My name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at REACH, and I'm grateful that you're here this morning. Uh, we're going to be journeying through Mark 5 today, specifically 1 through 20, um, and then talking about a little bit of what happens before that and a little bit of what happens afterwards. Uh, my one thing that I want us to wrestle with or to um, walk away from is... God will, and this is my statement, God will go to any length to pursue and call people into his kingdom. Any length, which we will see today. So I want us to wrestle with two questions uh, as we go into that topic. Is there, and here's the first one, is there a too far gone for God? Is there a too far gone for God? Sadly, a lot of us in Christendom, a lot of us, and it is kind of dumb, um, this part, um, a lot of us that have crossed over into this believing, trusting in Jesus, we have this view of others outside of it that we don't believe that the same grace that captured us can redeem and capture them, which is dangerous. My other question to wrestle with is, when... Are you ready to be used by God? At what point in your, hello, I am now a follower of Jesus, just like we talked about for communion today, what enables you to go up there is not your connection to us, but your connection to Jesus and His sacrifice on the cross. So when at that time are you ready to be used by God? I believe that Mark 5 is going to answer those questions pretty clearly. So here's a tension that we can have if we think the wrong way. We can write off someone that God plans to use in a big way, which we'll see today. And that may include you. You may be writing off yourself because of something that you feel that God just will not forgive you for, will not, you know, give you and extend you the same grace and mercy that he does other. So before we get into the word, let's pray. God, your word has power. Your word has the ability to reach in and change our hearts. So as we hear your word, I pray that it would shape the way we think about you, the way that we think about others, and your capacity to use us in that. So open our eyes and our minds and our hearts today that we may see you and know you and experience you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we jump into Mark 5, I I want to talk to you a little bit about what happened on the way, because sometimes on the way to the thing something happens that has some pretty significant meaning. So Jesus had set his mind to cross the sea to go to this new area, or not new area, to this area called the Decapolis, which is, uh, literally means ten cities. It's this region, a pagan region. And on the way, they all get in the boat. And I'm going to disclaimer here, and I'll say this over and over again, um, some things I'm going to put my opinion on, and I'll tell you when it's my opinion. One of my big opinions to today's text is that God, through Jesus, is very aware of everything that he's going to do. I believe he has a plan and purpose to literally getting on the boat, to stepping off to the other side of the boat, that he had a plan and purpose for that. But what happened before that, so he tells his disciples, hey guys, we're going to get on this boat, we're going to go to the other side. And why would they doubt him? Why would they have any concern not to get in the boat? Most of them... At least a quarter of them, or a third of them, are seasoned fishermen. They grew up fishing on the lake, the sea, the the, the you know everywhere. They were they were all, they were boatmen. They had weathered many storms. So these aren't just naive people that have never seen water and get out there when there's a little rain and a little rocky and they get scared. So here they go getting on the boat to go over to where Jesus has purpose and intention to go. And and what does Jesus do? He goes and takes a nap. I don't know about you, but I can't sleep through storms very well. Um, I definitely can't sleep when I'm getting rained on. I just, it's not my thing. Like, it's difficult. So Jesus, on the bow of the boat, on the, on the front of the boat, on the cushion, he, he takes a nap. And the, the, the storm comes upon this little boat so much so that these seasoned fishermen are freaking out, concerned for their very life. They literally say, we're going to perish. Seasoned fishermen so they shake jesus awake and jesus you know unlike me my children have learned not to wake the sleeping bear if he falls asleep somewhere just leave him be you know if best case scenario is get a pillow and throw up from across the room don't be within reach i'm just i'm just saying if i accidentally fall asleep somewhere i'm just i don't rouse very you know before my brain gets to work but jesus doesn't wake up aggravated I mean a little aggravated in their lack of faith because they're they're screaming like we're going to die. And Jesus wakes up and speaks to the weather and it, it goes from stormy enough that they're terrified that they're going to die to calm. Just like that. Not 25 minutes later, not like, hey guys, let's pray through this storm, you know, and then the storm goes away and we're like, yeah, God answered our prayers. I mean, literally Jesus speaks to the chaos storm that's terrifying these seasoned fishermen and he goes calm and what do they do they're like who the heck is this they're like finally starting to get a little bit of clue who is this guy that even the weather is controlled by him i mean he literally speaks to it and it ends, I mean, I, I don't know about you, I don't know about you, but like I, I a lot of times put myself in the foot, feet of the disciples thinking, what would I be? I'm telling you what, if I was hanging out with Jesus after that, I don't know why I just adjusted my, you know, like, but maybe it was like, I'm getting ready. Like if I was with Jesus after that, like I wouldn't be worried about much else. Like something scaring but like he got this I mean, a few days ago, storm gone. If he can control the weather, he can control other people. I'm not scared. I mean, like, of course, they didn't do that. It was, it was scary for them. But he speaks to it from storm to calm, and then they, they land on the other side of the sea, which is where we're going to pick up today in verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1, it says, And they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. My opinion, this is exactly why Jesus got on the boat to begin with. Nothing was going to stop him from getting to the other side of the sea to interact with this man. Because he was interested in this interaction. Because I believe God was going to do something, which we'll see, greater than just what he did with this one man. Verse 3, it says, He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched them, the chains, apart, and he broke the shackles to pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs, on the mountain, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. No one, and I love this, I love this, and I'm going to side caveat here. It's setting up the impossible. No one could even control him, even with chains, bindings, nothing could hold him down. They could not stop what is going on because this is what jesus does the impossible it sets the story up no one else could remedy what's going on with this man other impossible things that jesus did is he walked on water regardless of how many times we replicate it with you know fancy whatever and you know they're little thing right under the water. So it looks like you're walk, oh, walking on the water. If you step into the deep end of the pool, you're going down. If you don't go down, like, let me be there because I'm super skeptical and I'm going to like step where you were, see if there's some trickery going on. He walked on water to them. And what's crazy, and it's before this, he wasn't even planning to get in the boat with him. He's just like, I'm going to walk across the water. And they see him, they get scared, and he's like, hey guys, it's okay, it's just me. Impossible. He raises the dead. There was a widow, and her her last kind of hope was her son, the, the heir. Husband's gone, son is what was going to protect and provide for her, and he's now dead, her last hope. In a casket, going down the road, carried by a group of mourners taking to bury him, Jesus stops the procession. He walks over and touches the side of his coffin and speaks to him and he sits up. Impossible. Crazy. And side note, go read it. He says something. He doesn't say what he said, but I want to know. Like when you wake up from the dead and you start talking, what do you say? Because like I, I was just thinking he's like, Whoa! like, I don't know if it's like his last conversation. He's saying something to his mom and kind of whatever, and he dies. And then did he wake up and just start continuing that conversation? I don't know. The impossible. We've already talked about it. he calmed the storm, he controlled the weather. He healed the bleeder. We've also read, if you've been reading, see Mark, a young lady that had Spent every bit of her money to fix something that was going on with her that she couldn't fix. She spent all of her money on doctors that couldn't fix her. And she was in desperation mode, willing to go into a crowd which is not okay in the culture. She was considered unclean. She wasn't even supposed to interact with people. Touch people would have made them unclean. And she weasels her way. That's not a nice word, but she, she... She gets through the crowd. Just for the one thought that if I touch his garment, I'll be healed. And she touches his garment, she's healed. The impossible. This is what Jesus does. He does what no one else could do. In verse 6, it says, When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. We don't know this until a little bit later, but he's naked. Odd. He's got cuts all over him because he's been cutting and screaming at the top of his lungs. He has no clothes. I mean, I'm sure he is all bruised and whatever from all the chains that have been trying to hold him. He's on the ground. <clears throat> Verse 7, it says, And crying out with a loud voice, He said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Had they met before? I don't know. I don't think so. Was Jesus wearing a name tag that said, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? So when the crazy man ran over there, got on the ground and was like, Oh, Jesus, Son of... the..." No! The demons were clear on who this was. They weren't surprised. As soon as his feet hit the ground, they were aware of the presence of the living God that was on the beach. They were aware And notice what they didn't do. They didn't run away. (laughs) They ran to. And they got on the ground in front of the son of the living God. And they compelled him. It says, I adjure you by God. (laughs) Kind of like, I adjure you by God. Like, by God, don't do this to me. I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying, because Jesus was saying to the man, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. The unclean spirit wasn't coming out, and we're going to figure out why. It says, and Jesus asked him, what is your name? Not the crazy man, the demons that were inside. And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are Many. Possessed by not a demon, but demons. In verse 10 it says, And he begged them earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs were feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us into the pigs, let us enter them. And at the beginning of 13 he says, So he gave them permission Don't miss this. Job is another beautiful example. Demons don't have power or authority over the Son of the living God. They don't. They propositioned that they could be put into the pigs. They didn't tell Jesus that that's what was going to happen. And they didn't do anything until He gave them permission. Just think about that for a second. So when you become overwhelmed or or fearful about things. The spirit of the living God, the spirit that lives in us, is greater than he that lives in the world. They could do nothing until Jesus gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea okay just image i'm not a, i don't i'm not a herder by, like i don't know a lot of herders i'm not gonna have you raise your hand if you do um but i don't i not like i don't know i've not seen video of people herding pigs but there's like two thousand, and there's herdsmen that are watching them and i don't know what they're doing if they're eating or you know rooting in the ground i have no idea But these herdsmen are doing their job out on the hillside with these pigs. I don't know how far Jesus is away from them. I doubt that they're even aware of what's going on there. Maybe they were. Maybe they saw the crazy man, crazy naked man, running out of the tomb, laying down at the feet of Jesus. But I'm sure they're at a distance that they're not hearing what's going on. Until their 2,000 calm, eating piggies get occupied by demons. And I don't know what pigs do when they get occupied by demons. I've not seen it. But I imagine lots of piggy noises start happening. And then I don't know if they collectively just think, let's run off a cliff into the water and drown ourselves. I I don't know. But can you imagine? You're the herdsman. Calm. Pigs. This is our livelihood. 2,000 pigs nowadays. I mean, can you imagine? This is a lot of... Income. this is a lot of revenue that's sitting right here, and they just decide they're going to run off a cliff, into the water, and drown. Just picture that for a second. You're standing there, you're doing your job, and your job just runs off. And you're like, I don't know if you try to stop them, I don't know if you have a favorite one that you got a little leash on, and it drags you to the... I don't, I don't know. But I do know that they walk over to the ledge where they can see the water, and there's 2,000 piggies floating in... The water dead. Like that's a strange sight, right? Right? Any, anyone think, oh man, that's cool. I'd like to see that. No, crazy. I mean, two thousand floating pigs. And I don't know. You know, maybe they're just like I don't want to be eaten, so we're gonna do ourselves in. I don't know. But when the herdsmen saw this, verse fourteen, they fled. I wrote down, heck yes, they fled. Yes. When this happens, when the when 2000 piggies run into the I don't know why I keep calling them piggies. I didn't do that first service. 2000 piglets, hogs, whatever. Run to the water and they die. You don't go like, "Hey, this is cool. Let's let's let's, you know, let's Snapchat this." Let's hold on. Can we do it again so I can get the little, you know, video that repeats itself over and over again? No. They run because they're pagans who've been ruled by fear of all of these Circum- all these things that are going around, or, 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 or something they did wrong—it's it's the punishment from the gods. It's you know, they're you know, when, when your livelihood runs off and drowns themselves, you flee. This is exactly what they do. So they run to the town, and they told it in the cities and in the country, and the people came to see. What do they do? And this is why I think most people watch NASCAR. It's like oh, <laughs> there's a wreck. I mean, we want to we. It's almost like that. you've ever done this and I don't know why we do this you' ever eating something or drink something that's really disgusting and you ask somebody near you to taste it also to verify it's one of those things that we we have no I mean like why would you this just happened crazy pigs just killed themselves let's go look at it I mean it would be I mean by this point they're kind of floating everywhere I don't, I don't know maybe they're thinking we need to get them in we need to the I don't know what they're thinking. So the people come and see what was that happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man. They knew who this man was. The one who had the legion sitting there clothed. Clothes on now. Didn't have clothes on before. And in his right mind, and they were afraid. Yes, they were afraid. 2000 pigs just took the great leap crazy man who i'm sure there were stories cuz it at least from what it says it seems like he'd been out there for a while they had tried to control him couldn't control him overwhelming this story everybody knows who this person is and he's not like he's been for years maybe Decades, something is different, and he's in front of this man named Jesus that they may or may not have even heard of at this point. Verse 16, it says, And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs. Verse 17, And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. I believe, opinion again, that Jesus got in that boat on the other side of the sea, went all the way to Decapolis, knowing that this is exactly what was going to happen. He was going to have an interaction with one person, knowing that he was going to be asked to leave and get back in his boat and go back, because that one person was valuable enough for Jesus to go over there. My opinion. In verse 18, It says, as he was getting into the boat, Jesus doing what they ask. the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. I remember reading this early on in my my faith journey and thinking, how mean is Jesus that he wouldn't allow him To journey with him. but he wouldn't allow him in the boat. And I struggled with it. For a long time. Partly because I didn't connect dots. To what we're getting ready to see. Here. In verse 19. He did not permit him. But said to him. Go home to your friends. And tell them how much the Lord. Has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. Verse 20. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, which is this larger area, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Jesus got in his boat, went back to the other side, and continued doing ministry. And if nothing else happened, it would be a pretty cool story. Here's some questions just about Jesus sending, because I ask, when are you ready? Was he ready? This is a man that was naked for years, out of his mind, cutting himself. Crazy, unable to be chained up. And within a short amount of time, an hour, two hours, six hours. We don't know how long it took them to go to the city and come back. He was there for a little bit. There was no <clears throat> impromptu theological studies that happened in that moment. And I'm not against, I look, the more we know about God, the more we love Him because we get a fuller picture. But this person only knew what God had done for him. He was the testimony of the power of Jesus. So Jesus gets in his boat with his disciples and they go back and they continue doing their ministry. And if you fast forward, this is chapter 5, two more chapters later in chapter 7 and in chapter that continues into chapter 8, you find Jesus back in this area, in an area that he was asked to leave, in an area that they were terrified of him, begging him to, To leave. That's where he was. He's back there in chapter 7. And his first interaction was healing a deaf and mute man. And so he he walks back onto the scene. And and there's there's enough testimony of this one man. That people are bringing others that need healing to Jesus. And this is just the first one. It it gets better in chapter 8. The first one... Comes to him and he's he's deaf and he's mute, and Jesus pulls him away. And he does something that he I don't think he does in any other miracle. And I love that he doesn't do the same miracle the same way over and over again because I think we're we're creatures of habit. We want a pattern. We want God to tell us if you do A and B, you get C every time. So. If you do what I do, you'll heal someone every time. And and I don't think that's the purpose. Jesus healed people differently. This one, he spit. I don't know where he spit, but he spit. I don't know if he spit on his two fingers. But I do know because it says that he put his fingers in this man's ear. Could you imagine watching this? They bring this deaf man to Jesus. You don't know Jesus other than the story that you've heard from the crazy man. But enough that you're there or whoever brought you there, and he spits. Shoves his fingers in your ears, looks at you in the face, says a prayer, your ears are open, your tongue is loose, you're healed. Jesus, one time, someone was blind, he spit in mud. I don't know about you, and somebody said that they looked at this as a miracle like with the broken bread which we're going to talk about in a second that he multiplied spit so he just little spit i don't think so if you're going to make mud you need an ample amount of spit i mean so i mean the little clinger and he rubbed it and then he rubbed it on somebody's face i don't can you imagine i mean this person couldn't see this happening but his friend saw it and they're like we're just gonna let it happen we're just going to let it happen. We're going to follow this out. We're going to see where it goes. And he spits in the mud and he rubs it on his eyes, and he's healed. Sometimes he's not even there. I mean, we talked about it a second ago with the lady; she just touched his cloak. It wasn't the how, which I think we want. We want the pattern that's going to work every time. And I'm, I'm confident over my 25 years of saying yes to Jesus and following him that. He's more interested in my willingness to follow his lead than he is of me trying to figure out things on my own and do them based on what I see he's doing instead of listening, following. So he he heals this man. And there's enough people following into chapter 8. There's enough people on his re-entry into an area that he was asked to leave that for three or four days he's teaching 4,000 men. That doesn't include most of the counts. They only counted the men, so that didn't count women or children. So there's probably upwards of six to potentially 8,000 people there. They asked him to leave. One crazy man and his testimony went. And when Jesus comes back to the area, three to 4,000 people hang out without food and other stuff. They didn't come prepared. Or at least at this point, their preparation is gone. Their food is gone. And Jesus has compassion on the crowd. You know what's crazy? You know what I said earlier about like if I was a disciple and... I witnessed Jesus calming the storm. Like, I'd be confident. Like, if you say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Jesus had already fed 5,000 people. He'd already performed the miracle. He'd already broken bread. He'd already broken fish. He'd already fed all these people. This had happened in front of them. They participated in it. They took the bread and the fish and spread it out amongst the people. And when it happens again with 4,000 people, which is less than the last time, less of a miracle he's already done, they're like, where are we going to get enough bread? My other speculation is that some of their lack of belief, I believe, this is my opinion, is that they, the first miracle was done to the people of God, to the Jews, that were following listening to Jesus. This 4,000 people were Gentiles, not the people of God. Maybe their lack of faith isn't that they're not believing in Jesus and what he can do, that they're going, This this isn't even God's people. Like why why how is this going to happen? How's this going to work for them? But you know what happens? Jesus does it, breaks the bread, passes it out. Everybody is satisfied. Done. All because one man wasn't allowed to get in the boat with Jesus, but ask to go and tell people of what Jesus has done for you. So I I want to ask us a few questions as we wrap this up. What does this story tell us about the heart of God? What does it communicate about His willingness to go out of His way for one person that many of us, if we live near him, would say he's passed the grace of God. We wouldn't say it out loud because we, don't, we know God can do whatever he wants to do. But like in our mind, we were like, no, no, this isn't going to happen. For one person, Jesus went over the water, brought the miraculous, did the impossible, and they sent him to tell his story of what God had done for him so that when Jesus comes back to that area, because they knew him before, they'd heard the stories, probably come out and seen him personally out there in his crazed mind, now walking around telling how good God is. So that when Jesus comes back to the area, there is four plus thousand people listening to what he's saying. Here's another question that may be harder to deal with. Is who have you written off? Maybe in your family, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe at work. Who have you just pretty much, not out loud because we wouldn't do that, but internally said, mm, no. Pretty sure God doesn't want to or have any plans for that person. <clears throat> Here's my next question. Are you willing to be God's message? That's what this man was asked to be. Letting your changed life tell the story of God's mercy. Which is a little painful. So let's let's relate this not to your life because your past may be very painful. But imagine this man's testimony. For him to show the goodness of God, to show the mercy of God, he must tell everyone that he interacts with, even if they didn't know that he was the insane guy that was naked in the tombs yelling and screaming night and day that couldn't be chained up. I mean, that was his story. For for them to see the goodness and mercy of God, he must communicate where he was before. And to be honest with you, Some of our stories that will bring the most change to other people will allow them to know what God has done for you. Where has God taken you from? What has God done to you? Where has He changed you? And that has to be shown against what you were previous. So are you willing to be God's message? And here's my last question. I'm going to have our worship team come back up. Are you willing... or Sorry. Are you willing to allow him to change your story? So maybe you're like, I, in me, I, I don't even know that this is actually happening. Are you willing to allow him to change your story? Or, because these are the two things that happen, Either you allow him to change your story, or you ask him to leave. So, so which of those two are you? And and I, I I truly believe there's so many people that are missing the grace of God because you believe about yourself. You think you are that too far gone. You think you are that person that, like, if everybody just knew what really is going on in my heart, that they would never accept me or love me and. And this is the best picture in my mind of what God's willing to bring and redeem people out of. And to my acknowledgement, which I'm grateful, all of you have clothes on. You're, you're, you're leaps and bounds above crazy man. You're in your right mind, or at least you're being quiet. <laughs> you know, what's the proverb says, you know, um, it's better to keep quiet and think, be thought of wise and open your mouth and you know, show everybody that you're not. See, the truth is, is every one of us are well above where this man was. And if God can redeem him, hear this with the story, God can redeem you. God is willing to extend mercy to you. So are you allowing him to change your story if you're not? Because I believe he... He'll let you wallow in your own misery. If that's what you want. Now, the, the truth is, he left there going, okay, that's what you want. Like, he's Jesus. He knows I'm going to be back. And some of you that are asking me to leave right now, you're going to want me later. So I'm going to let it play out now. So I, I think a lot of it, a lot of it, he'll let you stay in that place until you get to that point of going, I'm ready. Because truthfully, until you're ready, until you're ready to say, here I am, warts and all, here I am, I am yours, heal me. The lady, the bleeder, she, she wasn't ready until she was ready. But when she decided to move forward, when she decided to make a risk and pursue Jesus, he healed her. So what is... God trying to allow you to allow Him to heal? What is it in your life right now? And, and I want you, my, my word, I said this first service, I just feel like this word I keep saying at the end of the service, I want you to wrestle. I want to produce a tension in you so that you wrestle to the point of going, God, either you are willing, able, capable to change me, you walk away. I believe, and this is why I continue to do this every day, and this is why in spite of our screen issues, in spite of all the other headaches that doing portable church has done to me over the last seven and a half years, I will continue with the help of others, not doing it myself, with the help of others to press on because I believe they will be people that hear His message. And today could be that. And their lives will be changed forever. And here's the beauty. God is never interested in healing you just for you. He was interested and had compassion on this gentleman to heal him, but his purpose wasn't just for him. His healing brought redemption, or at least the availability of redemption, To a whole area that wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Any healing that God brings to you, any redemption that God brings to you, it's always for more than just you. He's always trying to do something in and through you to benefit other people. You see it over and over again. We are not the main characters of the story, we're just characters in His story which is beautiful. I'd much rather be a character in his story than be the head character. because It's a sad story if this world's about me. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, as we wrestle, as we worship, as we call on your name, uh, Lord, I pray that you work in and through unbelief that's going on right now in this room. The struggle and the tension of are you able to free me? Are you able to bring new life? Are you able to heal? Lord, I pray that as we wrestle for those things, as we seek your face as we seek your hand, as we seek your heart. Lord, I pray that you would shape and mold us into people that, that want what you have not just for us so that we can be a part of this bigger story. Lord, I pray that you would use us. I pray that this word, your words in Mark 5 would challenge the way we think about ourselves and other people. Challenge how and when we believe that we are ready to pursue you. Pursue your work. Pursue your ministry. So Lord, as we wrestle today, challenge us, draw us. Lord, your word says, as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. So Lord, we, I pray, I ask, that as we humbly submit and ask for you, your leadership, your, your, your heart, your love, Lord, I pray that we would experience those things tangibly today. Thank you for your grace and mercy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.